Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can follow us on Facebook or visit our website at BeatitudesChurch.org. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society. To speak about the soul is to approach a subject that we feel that we know something about, but when pressed to say what we mean when we say soul, we tend to kind of go silent. John Ortberg wrote a book one time called The Care and Feeding of the Soul. The most significant part I found in that particular book came from his mentor, uh, Dr. Dallas Willard, out of uh, USC in Southern California. It was a time that uh, Ortberg was about to take on a very large church in Chicago, and so wanting to be really prepared for it, prepared uh, spiritually, uh, ready to go with this big call that came to him, uh, he called Dallas Willard and said to him, uh, what do you think I need to be thinking about? before this big call comes, before I land there and start at this church. And he said calmly, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. And Orbert said, great, I got that down. Okay, I've got it real quick. What else you got? Willard said, there is nothing else you must relentlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Cynthia Bougeot was uh, one of my teachers at the Center for Action and Contemplation with Richard Rohr, and I remember fumbling around to make sure that I had my pencil and my pen right at the time that she said this, and I got to talk to her afterward. She said, nothing in the spiritual life can be accomplished by desperation, urgency, or insistence. I would suggest to you that's a new uh, definition of DUI. Not driving under the influence, but you can remember it that way. The spiritual life, we make no movement in it at all if we are using demand, urgency, or insistence. We are beginning our journey in the Lenten season, so let's take a look at this thing that um, we refer to often, but uh, don't know exactly how to define along the way. Now, this is a pretty uh, well-read congregation, and as I went into my own retirement age time, I was consulting with somebody who recommended the book called The Inner Work of Age, Moving from Role to Soul. Uh, the author is Connie Swig. I would highly recommend it. What does it mean to move from role to soul in life? So let's take a stab at the definition of soul. Uh, there are two definitions that come up uh, from the dictionary. The spiritual or immaterial part of a human being or animal regarded as immortal. It was Richard Rohr who always was giving a lecture 
with his wonderful black Labrador next to him. And she finally died, and he wrote about it. He even dedicated a book to that dog. And he said, if you don't think dogs have a soul, you don't know what you're talking about. And many people that I've known can affirm that. Second definition is soul is something revealed in a work of art. I really like that. I think this is a congregation that has embraced art, music of all kinds, jazz, has embraced all of the arts as a pathway to the divine and has not blocked out any of the artistic attempts to bring forth this thing called soul. Anne Lamott, who is a wonderful writer, if you've read nothing of her, she's hilariously funny and also uh, writes some very good things. She says, how many of our children learned the prayer, now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Now I'll give credit to, to my mother. Uh, she didn't like that last line. And Anne Lamott really didn't. She said, is it just me or are those scary words to teach a seven-year-old to pray alone in the dark of their room? She says, I guess it's not just me. That prayer, she said, did not work for me. Don't be taking my soul. You leave my soul right here in my 50-pound body, she said as a seven-year-old. The soul, for many, turns out to be uh, a lot like the Supreme Court Justice, uh, Associate Justice, uh, Potter Stewart, uh, they were dealing with obscenity. And they were trying to come up with a definition of obscenity. And he finally said uh, that it may be hard to define, but I know it when I see it. That seems to be how we are with soul. Now, when I say Aretha Franklin, Ray Charles, Otis Redding, Little Richard, Fats Domino, James Brown. Suddenly, I know how to define soul. We easily say, boy, these people have soul. They got soul in their music. People who have a strength of soul simply will not be degraded by the humiliation their body puts them through and what culture puts them through. Soul, in this sense, is understood easily by all of the African-American people that I have worked with in the United Church of Christ. They know the soul that is needed to face the obstacles of their daily life for a long time. Did we see soul in the, the Russian Navalny? Who bravely with his bare hands. Someone said that nothing is more inspiring than when a person says no with their bare hands. 
and points toward the truth. So soul is a hard thing around definition, but at the same time we feel that we know it when we see it. I think that soul points to things that are eternal, eternity if you please. I remember my senior year in high school, they brought out uh, our town, Thornton Wilder's play, and I thought, man, this, this thing's kind of ridiculous. I had one of the minor parts. It was done in pantomime, if you remember, and uh, so everybody's doing the pantomime thing, and then uh, there are people who are dead in the cemetery speaking to the people who are alive. So they got some speeches there to, to make to everyone who's alive along the way. And, and I remember Emily coming back from the dead one day and, and asking if people realize, if they ever realize how important this life is, how precious it is in the time that they have it. So at the beginning of one of the acts, uh, there is the stage manager who comes out and he talks to the audience. And I remember this section. Now, there are some things we all know, but we don't look at. We don't look at them very often. We all know that something is eternal. And it ain't houses, and it ain't names, and it ain't earth, and it ain't even stars. Everybody knows in their bones that something is eternal, and that something has to do with human beings. All of the greatest people who ever lived have been telling us that for 5,000 years, and yet you'd be surprised how people are always losing hold of it. There is something way down deep that's eternal about every human being. And soul at least for me, points to the preciousness of life. We had a gathering uh, this Ash Wednesday of 20 people that, that came here. We had a marvelous moment together for about a 25-minute, very brief service that was actually in silence. I think we, we learned something from it. Uh, we had our musician who could not be here, and so we suddenly made it a time of quiet, and we had uh, some harp music at the very beginning, thank you. And then we gathered together and even held three minutes of silence in the middle of it and placed on ashes on anyone who chose that as a symbol. Some did, some didn't, which is fine. And then we went away again to the sound of a harp, and we looked at each other knowing that we had been blessed in the silences that we shared together on that day. I remember the story long ago, and it's the story I told last Wednesday, so I'll just share it with the rest of you. Pardon me for repeating for those of you who are here. There's a wonderful book that I like by Haim Potok. I think this last week was his, his birthday. And it is, uh, My Name is Asher Lev is the title of the book. I don't think it was more of his popular ones. But in there, I like the scene with uh, Asher catching on, as I did one time, 
and I didn't like the idea. I was probably about eight or ten years of age I, that everybody's going to die someday, and I did not like that idea at all. Didn't like it. I even wanted to make a, a special deal with God as me being the, the singular exception, and you know how that didn't work out too well, and I had to grow beyond that. And uh, there is the time that Asher starts asking his dad questions. Uh, one of them was, uh, will mom die one day? Is they out there walking? Well, yeah, Asher, yeah, yeah, someday she will. We hope that's many years from now and after you have been married and children and all. Yeah, how about you, Dad? He said, well, it's the same, you know, but Asher, we just hope it's many years from now and after you get married, children, we have many celebrations together. And uh, then he asked the key question, Dad, will I die someday? Oh, Asher, we hope, it's, uh, we hope you're 80, 90 years of age. I will be very old. And he says, Dad, why is it that we have to die. And his father said, Asher, death exists so that right now you will know that every moment is precious. Precious. And to treat each other in that spirit is definitely soul. What is precious is the utmost privilege of choosing how how we will respond to the ups and downs of life. And um, it was Dallas Willard who reminded us that our souls can be ruined. Uh, they, they can be definitely ruined. He told the story of a, a great industrialist in uh, Southern California, made tons of money, bought that house, you know, on the ocean front in Southern California. Uh, he made a lot of money in a, a corporate way. No one liked him because he was always yelling and putting people down. And so uh, he had a stroke, finally. Um, no one visited him, especially from work. And he was alone in what some described as his mansion cage. Mansion cage. I've been around a lot of wealthy people and you'd be surprised how many of them were living in their mansion cage. The smallest package in the world is a human being wrapped up in himself. And that's how this man was. And he discovered that what he owns really owns him. I had a landowner in Ohio come to me one time and say, man, I'm here to tell you, Dick, he says, ownership is overrated. He uh, was incapable of gratitude, incapable of generosity of any kind. And it was uh, Willard who said, this is what a ruined soul looks like. What does it profit a person who gains the whole world and forfeits their own soul? Some of you have sung the words of Horatio Spafford, who invested a lot of money in Chicago. Uh, he lost everything in the great fire of 1871. No insurance was there at the time. Home destroyed, business was destroyed. The year previous, 1870, he and his wife had lost their son to scarlet fever. 
And so it was in 1873 that he decided to send his wife and uh, four daughters to England uh, while he got to work on making the company work again. And so he said goodbye to them, and off they went. And it was a few days after the ship departed, he received a telegram from his wife, saved alone. What shall I do? There had been a shipwreck. All four of his daughters were killed. Horatio quickly boarded another ship to England, and as it passed over the very same place in the ocean where his four daughters drowned, he penned the words that have been sung in this place. Whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. What makes it well with our souls is not what we possess or by what we lose, but where we allow our hearts to go. And it is what we become in the midst of all of the gains and losses of life, the life of love and struggle, gain and loss in this world, soul is what we make of the pieces that are left of our life and the power of God that tells us to keep on going. In time we trust all will be made well. All will be well. Let us come here often as we share the good and the bad experiences of life and let us sit close to each other. Oftentimes the, the pews of a church are mourner's benches where we sit as close as we can until that moment that we know it is well with our soul and God will make of us something new. Let us join together in this moment of prayer. Open our hearts, eternal God, that we may hear your voice which constantly comes from within our souls. Disclose to us your divine light, which is hidden in our souls, that we may know and understand life better, not only here, but understand the life to come. For we pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can help us to continue this program by making your donations at BeatitudesChurch.org backslash online dash giving. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society.